Hallelujah. Well, last week um, I was going through a portion of scripture in First Peter, and you know, First Peter is an interesting read. Uh, Peter being the apostle that was on the inner circle with Christ, Peter, James, and John. And it's interesting to think that he uh, wrote these two epistles, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And also, from what we study, the book of Mark, it seems, was written from the memories of Peter. And so... These are the experiences he had or some of the things that he wanted to pass on. And especially, um, like I said, if you're knowing that you're going to go into eternity, the things that you have to say are extremely important. And, you know, we talked about last week, and it it seems like a, a common thread this week, about the commonality of the real faith, the faith that we share, that we're going to go through some things. You know, that God promised us in his word that we're more than conquerors through Christ who died for us. But he also said that there was going to be some things that we're going to have to go through. And it's not for without a reason. The reason being is what it says that in uh, 1 Peter 7, it says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, Mika said it this morning, it's so easy to praise the Lord when you're on top of the mountain. You know, it's so easy for those things to just kind of roll off your tongue because you're just like, you know, in an emotional state that that's easy to do. God is looking for a heart of faith that's able to praise Him even when the things that are before us don't look so good. You know, and I'm looking at the reality of the situation we find ourselves in right now as a nation as a world in fact as a church as the people of the state of hawaii and we're wondering where is this all headed where is this all going you know if i look at just in the natural it can be become very discouraging you know to see um, like i said before when we went on vacation this last time it's an interesting thing when you live on maui because as we're flying over to the mainland, you can see the people on the plane are a little bit somber because they spent their time in Hawaii and they're going back and thinking, I gotta go back to work now, I gotta take care of all the stuff I gotta do. And we're all excited because we're going to the mainland, we got vacation, ah, this is great. And so we're flying over in a, in a nice you know, mindset flying over there. And then when we get on the plane to come back, everybody's all excited, man. It's like, we're going to Hawaii, we're going to Hawaii. And we're thinking, all right, we're going back to Maui. And so it's, you know, we're blessed in both ways. But I found myself coming back this time a little bit deflated because of this whole tyranny that's been placed upon us in here in Hawaii. You know, and, and why so much ratcheting down in our lifestyle. We're not used to this. You know, we're used to freedom. We're used to 
you know, joy and just, you know, and, and I was coming back and I felt a little sad, you know, like, man, I feel like I'm going back to Cuba or something, you know, with all these restrictions that are laid on us. And you went out there in the mainland and nobody had masks, everybody was going around and it just was, it was so uh, liberating to be out there. And then all of a sudden now we got to play pandemic again when we get back. And I, we had the stuff. I'm not saying that this does not exist. We all know it exists. We're not denying that. But I'm just saying the, the measures that were taken, I don't believe were done to take care of our health. Let's just put it that way. It just doesn't make sense, some of the things that they've done. They say trust the science, and then the science changes week to week. It's like, whose science are we trusting? And so I like what Pastor uh, um, Tyler was saying. What is lasting? What can we put our trust in? What is those things? What are those things that are going to transition, that are going to go through the purifying fire and come out the other side purified? That is our walk with the Lord, our testimony with the Lord. How we address hardship in our life is what God is looking for. It says it here, that it says the genuineness of our faith being much more, much more precious than gold. How many of you guys like to watch like um, gold um, treasure? I mean, treasure hunting shows or uh, Gold Rush? You guys like to watch Gold Rush? Man, that dude, uh, what's his name? The young guy, Parker. Parker Schnabel, man, that dude knows how to get gold, man. I see some of these rookies and they got this little jar and, well, how much do we have for the week? And they're pouring it out. I go, that's poor thing, man. <laughs> you want to get gold, go with Parker or go with the, the, <laughs> the dude with the... <laughs> that guy, those guys know how to get gold, man. Unbelievable. There's something about gold. They call it gold fever. You know, you like, I like that other one, the, the um, Treasure of Oak Island, too. I like treasure shows, man. I like, and, and uh, Blind Frog Ranch. Because these guys are all, there's a legend that there's tons of Aztec gold buried here. And there's the, the, the gold from the, whatever, the uh, Knights Templar is buried on Oak Island. And all these people, there's something in us, we like gold. How about the Goonies, if not that? <laughs> I like the Goonies. I like treasure hunting shows. It's cool. But it says here that our faith, as far as God is concerned, is much more precious than gold. You watch those gold shows. You see how much rock and dirt they got to move in order to get some flakes of gold. It's ridiculous, man. They're, I mean, it's, it's crazy. They're just using heavy equipment and running water and this and that. And okay, it's time for the cleanup. And there's little flakes and sometimes there's some chunks in there. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of effort to get that gold. And it's just like us, our lives, we got to go through some stuff. But God is looking for those little nuggets of gold. He's looking for those times. It's like Dwayne shared, where there's a point. We read the, the, the life of Paul. And Paul, it says, I'm going to show you, Paul, how many things you must suffer for my name's sake. There's gonna, you're going to go through a lot, but let me tell you what. You're going to preach my name in front of governors, in front of kings, in front of rulers. You're going to testify of me in front of people. And not only are you going to testify, but your life is going to shine forth in a difficult situation. And the thing that's going to come out of you, it's going to be, that's precious. That's unusual. That is something different. This is like what was said here when Jesus was on the cross. 
and everybody's jeering him down to the last the Pharisees and the Sadducees are there we'll believe you we'll believe you're the Messiah if you come off the cross right now we'll believe you poking at him poking it to the very end and Jesus says this he says father forgive them for they know not what they do can you imagine the depth of, of commitment in Christ I mean when people start assaulting you and especially when you're in pain the, t the natural tendency would be to lash out and he says father forgive them for they know not what they do and the centurion that was watching this he turns up and he goes whoa he goes this truly is the son of God nobody in the natural could do that but we're imparted with the Holy Spirit of God that we're able to do supernatural things through the impartation of his Holy Spirit and sometimes we well not sometimes you read this word and I get convicted because I'm reading this and I'm like man I got a long way to go here I got a long way to go in order to to shine like this and then we know from the process of you when you mine gold or you you're smelting gold and it says you put that thing in the fire you put it in a crucible and you heat that thing up to a till it's liquid and, it, and it's it's like liquid gold there and they said, how do you know when it's ready? Well, first thing, all the rubbish, we put it under the heat of that fire, and the rubbish bubbles to the top. And you use some flux, and you scoop that off, that slag. You take that stuff out. That's the impurities. And, and you're like, wow, I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know that was in there. We'll put it in the heat and see what happens. Sometimes we get into a heated situation, and something comes up, and they go, man, I didn't know that was in there. But it says, how do you know it's ready? When you scoop that stuff off and you can see your face in the gold. You can see the reflection. That we're reflecting the face of Christ in our trial. That's when you know the process is getting close. That we need to allow God. It says, let patience have its perfect work that you might be perfect, lacking nothing. We're perfected through the trials that we go through. You know, in this book of 1 Peter, I've, I've highlighted it. And I think I highlighted 15 times in this book, in this little epistle, that says suffering, 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 suffered, suffered. And then there's, on top of that, there's obedience and disobedience. So there's obeying and there's suffering. Sorry. Part of the process is suffering part of the process is to be yoked to Christ he said pick up your cross and walk who wants to pick the cross that's a, a means of execution pick up your cross and follow me I think in America we've um, turned the gospel into something that it's not at times you know we've we've made it into something that it's not and to be sober and to be realistic, you know, we need to go to the Word. We need to go to the original source, not what somebody wrote about it. But what does it say here? And sometimes this is like, that's hard. That's pretty harsh, especially for an American. <laughs> right? We are we, we're like, we have it pretty cushy in America. We have it really soft. You know, in China, you know, the underground church over there, probably, oh, yeah, that's, that's par for the course. That's what we do all the time. You know, after um, the last, I'm just going to read this, and 
um, in the in the last of Peter, First Peter five. It's, he's giving his salutation here in verse 12. It says, By Silvanus, our faithful brothers, as I considered him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. After mentioning suffering 15 times and obedience and all these things, this is the true grace of God. You ever heard that word grace? And you're like, what is grace? What is grace? You know, a lot of times we read the word and we just breeze or we blow through these words. Oh yeah, grace. Grace is like God's just showering his favor upon me and everything's going to be good, good, good because I'm under the grace of God. Is that really what it means? I think we have to stop to consider after you read this and then he goes, this is the true grace of God. The true grace of God, what I believe it to be, is that we see the word of God and we see the standard of Christ and he says this is what I want you to be and he says I have given you my grace to do that I've given you the power to be that I've given you the power to overcome that because of the grace that's the right application of grace it's not like well God knows I'm a sinner and we just cover it up and, and he does but the real power of the Word of God is to think back and say, man, I really used to struggle with that, but I don't struggle with that anymore. That God's empowerment took the very roots of that thing out of your heart where you don't even desire that anymore because you elevated your sights and you say, that's what I want. I got my eyes on the prize. That's what I want. I don't want to be living the low life over here anymore. He's given me the power to say, I got my eyes on that. And the reality of it is, as we see this world disintegrate before us, we look around and say, what is it that I want here anyway? It's pretty messed up. But the good news is, this is firm. This is, this is much more precious than gold. Our faith, our walk with Christ, the ability to hang tough when it don't look so good. And God give us the grace to speak a testimony of hopefulness, of faith, that we're singing in the dark. It says that the morning star is about to rise. On the dawn, it's darkest before the dawn. It says we see the morning star rising in your heart. And I've used this illustration before. And I said my office face is towards the east. And when I didn't have so many trees by my office, I could see that, I think it's Venus, but it comes up early. You see this star, this bright star just comes up, it breaks over Haleakala, and it just starts going up pretty fast. And you know any minute the sun's going to be coming up, because it says the day star rises first, and then the new day births. We're seeing the things, we're seeing the signs, we're seeing the things that the Lord said prophetically would be taking place. That's like the day star rising, and we're like, man, we're almost to a new dawn here. The Lord's day is coming. The day where um, there's going to be, you know, it says in the book of Peter, it says uh, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And we look at the history, the chronology of, of this time here and from the time of Adam until now, it's just about 6,000 years. But there's another day coming, that last day, if we look at this illustration that God or this model that God is using as a week and it says he rested on his seventh day he rested on the seventh day 
There's a period of time, a thousand years, called the millennial period, where we'll enter into God's kingdom of a restored earth, enforced righteousness, a beautiful recreation, and Christ at the, sitting on the throne of David and ruling from Jerusalem. Another day, seven days. We're right there right now. We're seeing the things that the Lord spoke about in his word. And our job right now is not to be entangled with the mess that this world has become. It's not to get entangled with that, but to lift up our eyes, he says, because our redemption draweth nigh, that we look to the Lord and, and we know what we know to be true. This isn't fake news. This isn't propaganda. This isn't CNN. This is reality. This is happening right now. And it will happen. It will come to fruition because the Lord said it. And Peter is a witness to that. And he said this, that, you know, last week I spoke on that and it's in Second Peter. But it talks about the Mount of Transfiguration. And they saw, Jesus says, Peter, James, and John, come up on, on this mountain with me. And it said, all of a sudden, this bright cloud descended down. And he said Jesus was standing there and his glory shone through his flesh. He, like he was in a glorified version. And he says his clothes were shining more bright than any launder on the earth could wash clothes. That'd make a good laundry commercial. <laughs> but his clothes are just like, whoa, what kind of bleach is he using on that, man? And uh, Peter and James are like, whoa, and John, they're like, and they heard the voice of the Father. They said, this is my beloved son, in him I'm well pleased. And, and Peter's scrambling. What do we, uh, uh, let's make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Elijah, one for, you know, for the Lord. And he says, hear him. This is my son. Hear him. He stands above the other two. He's the Messiah. He's Emmanuel. He's God in the flesh. Hear him. Peter said that the prophecies of the word of God are a more sure witness than what he saw up on that mountain. That when God says it, He means it, and it's going to happen. That we can put our confidence in it at that level. That's pretty amazing. You know, I was just, I was reading through Joshua. <laughs> My, our granddaughter sent us a video, was it a year ago? <laughs> She's living in Nashville. And I go, wow, we're, we're having a holy, holy granddaughter. But she's, she said this, uh, be brave. She was uh, recounting a scripture in Joshua. Be brave, be strong, don't panic. The way she says it, don't panic. And Gretchen, I just laugh. But it's so funny to see her. And that she, you know, she's reciting that scripture. And the Lord is telling us, be brave, be strong, don't panic. Because the Lord our God is going to... And I was reading through the book of Joshua. And he says that as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. You're going to go in and you're going to co take conquest of the land. And I'm reading this account and it's like, man, 31 kings, they just take out. Boom, city after city after city. Nobody can stand against them. They come against them like the sand of the sea. God said, don't worry about it. By this time tomorrow, those guys are dust. And it was. God just does his word. He told him that would be, if you guys have faith in me, if you had faith in me 40 years ago, you'd have been here occupying already. But you turn back at Kadesh Barnea and says, there's giants in the land, we can't conquer them. And you see Joshua taking out, he took out the Og of Bashan, he took out all the giants that were still remnants in there, took them out, occupied their cities or burned them, whatever. But he conquered because of his word. 
When he went into Jericho, we know the story where they went around the city for seven days and they blew, seven of the priests blew the shofar, blow the ram's horn with the Ark of the Covenant and the armies behind him going around the city one time a day for six days. Can you imagine the people in Jericho? What kind of nonsense is this? But they said they were afraid because they heard, we heard already what you did 40 years ago. 40 years ago, they said, we heard what happened to Pharaoh and his army. And you guys are here now. And everybody's, their heart is, is troubled. They're like, oh no, they're going to conquer us. But we're behind these big walls and we, we can trust these walls. And they go around one day and then they leave. And they're probably like, oh man, that was a close one. Oh man. And they do that for six days. And then the seventh day, it says, go around seven times. And then at the end, blow the shofar. And then I want everybody to shout. And they shouted, ah, ah, their battle cry. And the walls went down flat. And they conquered them. And he took all the spoil and this and killed everybody who was there except for Rahab, who's weaved into the genealogy of Christ. Rahab the harlot weaved into the genealogy of Christ. He says, if you are in this building, and you and your family, anybody who comes into this building and stays in there, we will spare you. And I would imagine, because she lived, it says on the wall, that all the walls collapsed instead of this one piece of the wall where she was at with her family. And it says, when I see that red scarlet thing tied on the window, we will not harm you. But just stay in, the, stay in that room. Do you see the analogy to us in Christ that we're covered in his presence we're covered even if there's chaos all around us we have our faith in here I see the blood I see that red cord we're not going to take you out amen this pattern follows throughout the whole the whole Bible that God is a deliverer of those who have faith in him God is able to do the impossible to those who have faith in him God is able to do incredible I shouldn't say incredible real things that are beyond with those who have faith and trust in him Amen. we are those people we need to be those people even more so right now we need to be people of faith we need to be people that have integrity we need to be people who are holy holy means separate from the world we don't do things like the world does we're, we're sanctified pulled out from this world don't go with the flow that we're different from the world right now. The world is crazy right now. You know, we didn't have TV for a long time. We were bouncing around here and there. And uh, I think when we moved from Kula, I told Gretchen, man, I don't want to pay for TV. I look at the commercials are offensive to me. Not to mention the programs. I mean, I don't even want to get into it, but it's just ridiculous. But we live up there and, we, man, it's, there are, we, you know it's it's remote and so we, we got to get a satellite so we got the satellite and it's the same thing you know but you just watch the world has gone crazy and and what we push off is entertainment and you know one of the things that they call tv they call it programming because they're programming us you know i heard a story about a guy he said his mom and dad were extremely conservative and he moved over to hawaii and he went back to visit him and he went back and he was like mike what happened to my parents, man? Their politics are way on the left. They're, uh, they're ascending to all kinds of weirdness. And they go, all they do is sit in the house all day and watch TV. 
It has an effect on us, whether we realize it or not, what we program ourselves with, whether the Word of God, whether we meditate on His Word, whether we listen to godly things, it's having an effect on us. Amen? It could, it could uh, bring us down, or we can say, well, you know what, that's what the world is doing, and we should know. We should know what's going on out there, but not allow that to dictate who we are in Christ. Because we're not of this world. We're not of this world. We're, we're ambassadors of a kingdom that's coming into fruition. It's coming into focus right now. Amen? I'm going to go over this again. This is verse 16 of chapter 1. It says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory in such a voice which came to him in excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed in light as the light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, First, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God who spoke and were moved by the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, that was Second Peter, but that was uh, what I spoke about earlier. If we go back to First Peter, and I want to read this Scripture. First Peter 1.13. It says, Therefore... Now what's the therefore? It's about this suffering. It's about this standing in faith. It's about going through hardship. It's about the reality of this commitment when Christ chose us out of the world and says, you're mine. You're part of my, uh, you're part of my kingdom. You're ambassadors. And he chose us. And it's just like, that's a mind blower at that point, you know. You get into the area of pre, um, predestination and all that kind of thing, and that kind of starts popping circuits. But the reality of it is, we are chosen. God did say that. And he foreordained us before the foundation of the world. And because of that fact, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, and be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. And I was looking for a reference from that. Well, we know that when Elijah did the showdown with the 400 prophets of Baal, and he said, Elijah, it's about to rain. And he said he girded up his loins. And he says, get down and go talk to the king. Go tell him that it's going to rain. And so he, he grabbed his, his, his robe or his tunic, he pulled it up, and he got his belt, and he wrapped it around, and he ran, and he outran the chariot, because he had a message to give to the king. The application of this, it says, prepare for what's coming. You know, it says about the hastening of the coming day of the Lord. It's like, can you see things accelerating right now? Can you feel things accelerating? Like a week goes like that nowadays. And I think I can even ask young people and say that. 
Isaiah? Does time seem like it's going pretty quick right now? Like before, when you're in school, oh man, I can't wait till summer vacation. It seems like it's taking forever. Now he's like, I can't believe it's a new year already. It's just boom, boom, boom. The hastening, the quickening of the pace of things that are happening right now, prophetically, just in life in general, everything's moving quick. You know, it, God forbid, and I, I don't know what's going to happen, but they're talking about right now, we're like poking the bear. It's like, come on, we want war with Russia. We're tough. Look at us. And I'm like, why? Well, we're, we're concerned about their borders. What? We're not even concerned about our own borders. <laughs> we're, concerned, we're concerned about their borders. Like, what are you doing? Fulfilling scripture? It's crazy, man. It's crazy. They said that this Wednesday, there's supposed to be some kind of meeting. Did anybody hear about this? Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be definitive whether we're going to go to war or not. I pray to the Lord. This is madness. We got hypersonic missiles. It, and Putin is saying, I'm not playing here. And you know, there's, there's a scripture that says wars and rumors of war. I'm praying that this is a rumor of war, not the real thing. My wife, time she goes, maybe it'd be better like that. Boom! The body present with the Lord. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> Done. Done. Fast. Boom. Out. Okay. Mark of the beast coming in next. You know. I don't know. I don't know what God's plans. Are. God has it under His control, though. God has it under His control. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayers and supplications, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Because there's times where this stuff gets in your head and you're like, this is crazy. But then you go to prayer and the peace of God just falls upon you. That's our... That's Psalms 91. He who dwells in that secret place. We find that secret place. We can go and we tell the Lord, I'm feeling anxious about this. Where is this all headed? How are we going to react to this? What's going to happen? And then you see how big God is. And you see how stable God is. And he's not moved by these things. And he told us before. He says, I told you beforehand that this was going to happen. So when it happens, you wouldn't be upset. That's the foundation that we need to be firm upon right there. The word of God. So getting back to Joshua, he, he cursed it. He said, well, he didn't really curse. He made a proclamation. And he said, then anybody rebuilds this city, they're going to lay the foundations with their firstborn. And then they're going to put up the gates with their youngest child. And it just puts, out, puts it out there. And then I remember reading through the Bible and all of a sudden coming in. And I think it was First Kings. And it says, so-and-so, it was Ahab, rebuilt Jericho with his firstborn son. He laid the foundation. And he put up the gates with his secondborn, I mean his, his youngest child. And I was like, wow, God's word. I don't know how many years elapsed between that time. I think it was quite a few. But exactly what the word of God said happened. It came to pass. That in order for them to reestablish this, I mean, these people, they're into pagan worship and stuff. And that stuff goes on to this day. I remember meeting somebody from Singapore, and they said, whenever they put up a skyscraper, there's normally a sacrifice put on one of the foundations some there. This, don't think this stuff don't happen now. It happens nowadays. It's crazy. But the word of God is sure. It's sharp. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. 
you know, able to discern between lies and truth. We get our discernment from that. So it just, it just hit me right there when the prophetic word is spoken and didn't even know that was a prophecy. He just spoke it and boom, it happened. There's another story that's right in line with that. It's in Isaiah. No, I'm sorry, it wasn't Isaiah. I'll just, I'll just highlight it. It's, it's the story of the widow who the prophet was sent to. And he says, I want you to go down there and go find the widow of Zarephath. And say when you see her, then you're going to lodge with her. And she's got a little bit of flour and a little cruise of oil. And she's thinking to herself, I'm going to go make this thing uh, for me and my son, and then we'll both die because there was a famine going on. And so the prophet comes along. She's a Gentile. This Jewish prophet comes walking into town. He says, make me, a, make me a cake to eat. And she goes, this is all I got left, man. This is it. And he says, at my word, that, that flour will not run out, nor the cruise of oil give out until this famine is over. And so she does it in faith. She makes this cake for this guy and gives it to him. And miraculously... That flour did not run out, and the oil did not give out until the famine was done. They ate many days on that, on that word. It was a word from the Lord. What words of the Lord can we find within here? That we can say, man, that's a word of the Lord. That's what you mean. That's what you mean, Lord. That's what you want me to do. That's the faith that you want me to walk in. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. You know, the other day... Uh, we went, my wife's been telling this story, we went to Costco, and you know Costco, how they, they have everything dialed in, man, on computers, and so it's, it's kind of the end of winter, or getting towards the end of winter, and we're, we're getting our spring bulbs in there, so you walk into the store, and they have this display of these beautiful bulbs, you know, they had irises, and dahlias, and this, and that, gladiolas, and all that, and so Gretchen, so oh, this would be cool, I, I want to plant some bulbs in our garden, so yeah, it's cool, because the other flowers over the winter got kind of weak, and so she went, and you know, we got a, a couple bags of them, which is like, wow, there's a lot of bulbs in there, so she's out there digging and planting bulbs, and the other day, we got up, we were drinking coffee, she goes, whoa, did you dig up my garden, I go, no, <laughs> The thing's all plowed up, man. Like somebody ran a tiller through there. She goes, what happened? I said, man, the pigs got in there. They, they, they could smell. They have a very strong sense of smell. And they smelt that she planted bulbs and went through there and rooted those things up, man. Hundred of them. Hundred, hundred bulbs, man. And I was thinking about this good illustration. And she goes, you know what? Pastor Jay said the other day, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. <laughs> So she said, maybe that pig was more hungry. <laughs> I <was> like, Hallelujah. <laughs> so the moral of that story is don't let the pigs eat your bulbs. <laughs> she goes, maybe God has a better plan for that garden. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that the devil, though? He's always trying to steal our joy. You know, you do so. Like Mika said, I just waxed my joy. That's guaranteed it's going to rain. Guarantee. You guys like rain, everybody wax their car. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. 
and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not conforming yourself remember what it says in Romans 1 and 2 don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds the world wants it. You saw recently, conform, conform, obey. Do what we're saying. Do this, do this. We have some nonconformists in this church. Yeah. Hallelujah. What voice are we listening to? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in ignorance. There was things that we did was just stupid. When, you know, before, I didn't know, I didn't know the consequence of that. And then there's other times, this is willful disobedience. We have to abstain from both of those, right? It says, uh, but he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. You read that and say, well, that's for the apostles. That's for those guys, to be holy. You know who you're talking about here, right? But God says, I've given you my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfected in your weakness. When you're weak, Paul says, I glory the Lord when I'm weak that his grace rests upon me. I'm like, wow. That's what you call renewing your mind. That you're seeing things from a totally victorious position. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who died for us. Uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? There is no condemnation to those who walk in the spirit and not according to the flesh. But I have fleshly tendencies. We all got fleshly tendencies. But we have to get our mind, will, and emotions lined up with the spirit of God against those tendencies. Against the mind of the devil and the things that he's telling us to do. It says, no, we're allied with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. He conquered sin already, and I'm just following him in his wake. I'm following. He already plowed the, the, he plowed the field for us. We're just walking behind him. He did it already. If Jesus never did it, we probably could say, it's impossible. Nobody can do it. And we're already in Christ, but he wants us to display Christ. That's the program right there. He wants us to be a display for other people. He wants us to give him glory when we're obedient, even when nobody sees it. They were like, okay, Lord, this is what you say. I, my flesh nature is inclined to go this way. But Lord, I know where that goes. I've done that already. I don't want to do that. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you because you receive glory. Once again, verse 18, it says... Knowing that you were redeemed with, uh, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Silver and gold? Corruptible? You watch those shows, that's what they're looking for, man. We're looking for the Aztec gold. We're looking for the incorruptible. We're looking for stuff that was buried in the dirt for a thousand years and you bring it out and it's untainted. Right? But the Bible calls it corruptible. In James it says that, it, it's, it's right here, it says, Come now you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. For your riches are corrupted, and your, element, your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, 
and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived in, on the earth in pleasure and luxury, and you have fatted your hearts for the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Part of this walk is the fear of God. Fear man. Don't fear man who can kill body, but after that can't do anything to you. Fear God who can kill body and throw the soul into hell. That's what we should fear. That's what it means. We tremble at his word. We go, whoa, Lord, help me by your grace to line up with this word. Help me to display better this word because I need help to do that. Amen. But we were redeemed by the, it says in verse 19, uh, 18, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received from the tradition, that means religion, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him we believe God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. That's the foundation right there. We have not seen everything come to fruition yet. It even talks about Christ. We see Christ who was made a little bit below the angels for suffering and the death. That all things were placed under his feet, but we yet don't see that yet. We see Christ. We, we hear people able to say anything about Jesus, but there's coming a day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.